Ulterior. Right, what's good, everybody? So this is part three of the ongoing series this week about the 100 top songs in 2023. Part one covers songs 100 to 81. Part two went over songs 80 to 61. And now this part today, part three, I'll be looking at songs 60 to 41. Uh, but before I go into anything else, I do want to make mention of some really tragic news out of the scene this week, and that is concerning the passing of Kale Sane. Kale was the drummer for Twitching Tongues and Ghostmane and a couple of other projects. And, you know, with his passing came a outpouring of love and support for his bandmates and family and fans and friends and anybody alike who has had their lives impacted by Kale. So what I will be going ahead and doing for the episode is I will include in the description the link to the GoFundMe page to support Kale's family. If you have the means to make a contribution of any kind, please consider doing so. Thank you so much. I hope you guys enjoy this episode and all of my love and support to Kale's family and friends. Rest in peace, Kale. Number 60 is Black Hearse by Rory. What I personally believe Rory did this year off of her EP Family Drama was make an incredibly strong case for herself to be put into that elite category of artists right now in the scene. And Black Hearse was the song off of the EP that really, I, I feel like it spoke to me the most, and, and not just lyrically, but sonically as well. There's something about the structure of Black Hearse that is patented to everything that I look for in a very emotionally gripping and moving track like this. I think it contained the best sections of Rory's discography this year. I've not been able to get the hook in that chorus out of my head since first hearing it. I'm only getting married if I'm leaving in a black hearse. And for as daunting and brooding as this song is thematically, it is also very cathartic and it's a great testament to the songwriting abilities of Rory and just how vulnerable she allowed herself to be on every song she put out this year and Black Hearse specifically was the one again like I said I was pulled to the most and there's no way that the song leaves my rotation anytime soon. Number 59 is What's Up Dingus by Bitterwood. I'm going to be as blunt with you guys as I possibly can, because like I said before, I will never lie to any of you. I had not heard of Bitterwood before coming across What's Up Dingus, and 
The reason why I decided to hear this song when I did and review it back then is because the single artwork, it has Reptar on it. Reptar's fucking beast. If you put, if you put Reptar on anything, dude, I I'm going to give it a chance. And that's what ended up happening with What's Up Dingus. And what I ended up getting was this song that is like just littered with this embarrassment of riches with metalcore sounds that harken back to an old age of the genre and then also what a lot of bands nowadays do who find that perfect balance between metalcore and hardcore and there's even like a lot of experimental math rock type shit thrown into what's up dingus it's a very cluttered and chaotic combination of sounds that probably shouldn't work but for whatever reason they do and they work fucking tenfold like there's this section later on it's probably the closest thing that you get to a chorus in what's up dingus and it feels like there is this extensive synchronicity achieved between the vocals and the guitar work and it's just so masterful and it was one of those like real like hell yeah brother moments you know what i'm saying like that's what what's up dingus did to me this is a hell yeah brother anthem and i fuck with it so hard still towards the end of the year Number 58 is Pale Iris by ERA. Man, just any time that we get new ERA, it's a fucking treat. It, it feels so special and... It doesn't happen enough selfishly, but again, when it does, that shit is unstoppable. And that's exactly what happened this past August with the release of Pale Iris. And there's something about the buildup of Pale Iris and how even though it starts off like, you know, rather heavy, there is a lot of like thought and character put into the verses. And when you get to the chorus, it's just... Like, this is the balance of era that is always going to be, like, so impressive to me. Like, it's hard for me to hear a new Eric track and not just feel like I'm hearing this band for the first time all over again. Like, I'm taken aback by them no matter if it's my first time hearing a song or my hundredth. And throughout every play of Pale Iris, I'm just constantly, like, finding new things to appreciate about it. And I also remember... The time and place of Pale Iris's release, it, that felt really remarkable because the band was about to go out on the Concrete Forever tour with Bad Omens and Icy Stars and just listening to Pale Iris and understanding like the magnitude and the scale of the shows that Era was about to play, it felt big time. Big Era, big aura, a big fucking deal was everything surrounding Pale Iris. Number 57 is Bright Future by Johnny Booth. So this is a bit of a deep cut off of the Johnny Booth record from this year, Moments Elsewhere, and it was one of the biggest standouts from the album for myself, and something that I remember saying when reviewing that record was Bright Future had this hint of like, 
metalcore meets My Chemical Romance, at least in terms of the cadence of the song and the structure of it, the delivery. That's kind of what I was getting at, and it's a sentiment that I would say I still believe in today. I still get those vibes hearing Bright Future. I still feel this invigoration when it comes to the ideas and the concepts of Johnny Booth and just how well they were able to take like an old style of post-hardcore and be able to mix it so effortlessly well into their contemporary metalcore sound. And I thought Bright Future was this very achievable song that like no pun intended, just kind of further emphasized the bright future that Johnny Booth have and the very bright course that they have been on all year long. And this is a song that it's just hard not to nod along to, sing along to, especially in the chorus. Like, Bright Future just spoke to me. And sometimes that's all you need for a song to really connect to you with. Number 56 is Conversations by 93 Feet of Smoke. This is a fun-ass song. This song, I remember back when it dropped, it was either in February or, or March of this year. It was one of those songs where I didn't have, like, the most extensive knowledge of 93 Feet of Smoke. I, I wasn't super tapped into his catalog his, and his material like that. But I, I didn't need to be in order to resonate with conversations. The, like, very, like, downbeat sad emo side to the pop punk nature of 93 feet of smoke is so prevalent right when you press play on conversations and it just never lets up and it makes its way into one of the catchiest courses of the year so impossible for me to not feel like singing along to every lyric alongside 93 feet of smoke conversations is a song that, you know, like I said, I didn't know what to expect from it and expectations weren't that high at all. And I walked away from this song believing back in March that I listened to one of the best songs of the year. And now in December, I am still of that belief and even more firm in that belief for that matter. Number 55 is Waves by Silence. I could not stop listening to Waves when I first heard it. It took me, like, straight up maybe four hours, five hours to get through Hope is a Cult, which is the uh, Silence album from this year, because I just kept going back to Waves over and over again. I did not want to leave that song alone. And I know why, and that's because of this immediate familiarity I found within that song, because it reminds me pretty heavily of Avalanche by Bring Me the Horizon, not in the sense that Solence, you know, could have taken ideas from Avalanche. It just happened to work that way. It has, like, that really beautiful melody and rhythm. I think when it comes to the execution of Waves, there's, like, this 
synthesized vocal effect that says over and over again, it all comes in waves. And that is the part of the song that was first able to like really get a hold of my brain and tell me, hey, you're going to listen to this fucking song and you're going to enjoy the hell out of it. And it's just a feel good song for that matter. Like there's this line later on in the song. It's something akin to... I see my friends and go, fuck yeah, this is perfect. Like, Waves is just a good fucking time. And I feel as strongly about this song right now as I did all the way back in February. Number 54 is Pity by Charlotte Sands. This is another very, very recent song, but like I've said before about the other recent tracks on this list, I feel super confident in placing a song like Pity on this list and, you know, close to the top 50 range for that matter. I I say this over and over again, Charlotte Sands is a goddamn fucking superstar. Everything that she does, her... Like, delivery, her presence, her aura, the, like, catalog, and the consistency of everything within her library. I, I I cannot get enough of what Charlotte is doing. And I think Pity is a very good sort of, like, not really a counter to Use Me, which I had already placed on the list before in a prior episode. But it's so complimentary because... It's aggressive still, and it does fit the vibe that she's going for on this record, but it's just done in a different way. Like, Pity has this very energetic and anthemic pop-punk nature to everything that it's trying to achieve. I think lyrically and thematically, it reminds me a lot of P.A.T.T. by Against the Current, which is one of my favorite songs from 2018. And just, you know, that overall message of, like struggling with confidence and beauty and being able to lace those lyrics into a song that is as rhythm rhythmically fucking outstanding as pity i can't talk dude but that's just kind of how flustered i get going over this shit that i'm so passionate about it, it just makes pity stand out for all the right reasons and it's what continues to make charlotte stand out for again all of the right reasons Number 53 is The Angel in the Marble by Holding Absence. I said this previously in the list. I believe it was for Werewolf by Lou Uzivert and Ollie Sykes. If you have this anywhere near like top 20 or top 10 or top 5, if Angel in the Marble is your number one song of the year, I don't have an argument against it because I totally understand it. In a lot of regards, the Angel in the Marble might be the most well-written song of the year, the most like, well-executed song when it comes to the production and the execution of it 
and the placing of it because it's the closer on the noble art of self-destruction and this song being the closer it only helps elevate what the album stands for even further the angel in the marble is this just gutting and emotional roller coaster and this journey that you know it feels like lucas and the boys did not need to take us on but they did so anyways and they opened themselves up to this extent to where, you know, myself and everybody else who enjoys holding absence, we can now sing aloud a lyric like, because there's an angel in the marble that I'm trying to set free, chopping and hacking to get to the best parts of me. And not to mention, like, in the chorus where that line is, it feels like just so larger than life. The piano intro at the start of the track, that's another element that really makes the angel in the marble stand out, and it makes it one of the best closers of the year, one of the best closers in the last couple years for that fucking matter the angel in the marble is a perfect song and again if you have this anywhere near the top or even at the top i i get it i believe in it number 52 is one of us by the word alive featuring noah sebastian from bad omens Something that The Word Alive did tremendously well on their record Hard Reset this year was have this inclusion of guest vocalists and craft every song to the point where it felt like it could be a song that belongs to that featured artist band. So what I'm really getting at is that One of Us, while it is The Word Alive and it obviously has all of those Word Alive intangibles, it also feels very, very Bad Omens-esque. It's the closest that we got this year to a Bad Omens track. And when Noah comes in on that second verse and he has like that, you know, like that almost like a whisper-like effect to his voice, it, it just oozes charisma. Like you cannot help but, be, not, not on some fucking Twitter shit, but like you just can't help but not, you cannot stop yourself from being fascinated by what Noah is able to do with his talent and his abilities and his range. And that second chorus is the biggest highlight on this whole album, in my opinion. And it's largely supported by, you know, Noah just being him in all aspects. And and you combine what he's doing with the delivery from Telly in the other sections of the track one of Us became one of the most important songs I heard all year, and it's because of the efforts and the contributions by every single person involved. And again, I can't stop myself from gassing up Noah for this track because he really did help make a difference and help make One of Us the standout moment that it is. Number 51 is Rain by Sleep Token. And so this begins the portion of this series where 
Sleep Token becomes canon in 100 top songs of 2023. Um, okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to figure out what I want to say about Rain as to save some of my other bits and pieces of praise for later on in the list. You know? You know? You know? What I can say about Rain is that for being what I think is the shortest song on Take Me Back to Eden, or at least one of the shortest, I feel like Sleep Token still managed to pack so many different standout and key moments into this song. I think the piano intro, when mixed with Vessel's voice, is just so, like, therapeutic and it's one of those like really memorable intro sections and then i think from then on the build up to the rest of the band coming in it it feels epic it feels like so main stage in a lot of ways and again the transitions in rain they just speak like so vividly to what sleep token is able to do with their entire catalog this year and just kind of command every section to be whatever it is that they really want, and command whatever emotion out of you, the listener, that it is thereafter. If Rain wants to make me fucking weep, it's gonna do that. If it makes me want to, you know, start pounding my chest, I'ma fucking do it, man. And that's because of the power and the aura that a song like Rain wields. Number 50 is Mamacita by Chase Atlantic. Getting into the top 50 of this list now, and doing so with one of my favorite bands of all time, a band that has never let me down before like whenever there's a a new chase atlantic release i can always count on them to just bring the fucking vibes man just give me a song that you know gives me a good time and it's just a lot of fun to hear and a a song like mamacita i can never be upset or sad at anything in my life if I have a song like this right there beside me and I think something that Chase Atlantic did really well with Mamacita was kind of mixing these hints of Spanish music into the rhythm and the overall vibrancy of the song and it really paid off so well like I I can't imagine this track having been executed any other way and like any other chase atlantic track the fucking hook in this chorus i i cannot get enough of it cannot stop singing that shit that's my mamacita i won't ever leave her i don't love her but i need her man i, I fucking get it <laughs> like I-, I dead ass get it i, I know how it'd be and you know what this is a down bad anthem and guess who's down bad me motherfucker i love me some mamacita by chase atlantic Number 49 is Frozen by Rain City Drive. Uh, 
I talked a lot of shit about Rain City Drive last year, and it's nothing that I want to retcon because I really do believe that their self-titled album last year, it left a lot to be desired, especially coming off of To Better Days, which is like a top 10 album for myself this decade so far. And so I'm not at all ready to say, you know, we're back with Rain City Drive, but Frozen was the biggest step in the right direction that I believe this band could have taken this year for their music. That song just like, it wastes no time. It gets right into the shit when you press play. And this is another like masterclass showcase of Matt McAndrews being whenever he wants to be one of the best vocalists in the scene and just his ability to, you know, use his voice to be either soothing or emphatic. It doesn't matter what, like what, what the song calls for. He can match it. He can mirror it. He can provide the soundtrack to the instrumentation in a perfect manner. I think the chorus, it fits right in with the choruses on To Better Days. And that album is just littered with insane chorus after insane chorus and the same thing happened here with frozen this song just works and it works so well that i i'm actively looking forward to what rain city drive do in the new year that's not a sentiment that i had coming into this year because of the self-titled album but with frozen i i'm almost ready to believe in the band again and i really really want to be on their side because of the kind of music they've been able to provide for me before and the memories I have with hearing songs like Prayer and Cursed and Talk to a Friend, I want that feeling back. I want the feeling restored and I think Frozen has a chance at being the first step in doing so for me. Number 48 is Inhumane by Polaris. This was the first single that Polaris put out for the album Fatalism, and just right away from even pressing play and hearing that bass intro to this track, I, I knew it was going to be something that like really lifted my spirits because I, I feel like what that bass line at the start tells you is that shit is about to just fucking go down, man, and does it ever go down? Inhumane takes you through every corner of the talent and the range and the abilities and the skill sets of everybody involved with Polaris and everything comes together to make this song that is just so like charging like I, I feel like I'm on a fucking senzu bean when I listen to Inhumane it just gives me that energy and that adrenaline to just scream out this song and be right there in the moment with the band and anybody else around me. That's the the feeling that Inhumane gives me. It, it manages to be one of the catchiest songs of the year while not even like, you know, really trying to be. It, it just achieves that. And, you know, I wouldn't be able to properly explain what Inhumane means to me if I didn't bring up the fact that a little bit after this song released, we lost Ryan Sue. Ryan was the guitarist for Polaris, and you can hear all of his intricacies in this song. You can hear 
the fucking virtuoso that he was throughout every single note of Inhumane. Inhumane just stood out to me so clearly this year as like the calling card of Polaris and I I can't pull myself away from this track. Whenever it comes up on shuffle, I have to stop and listen to it and I think that is going to be a reoccurring theme for the rest of my life, honestly. Number 47 is My Dopamine by Yumi at 6. What a fucking year for Yumi at 6. And it's a year that I don't know if all of you guys out there really have the scope for. I don't know how many of you guys listened to their album Truth Decay. And if you skipped it because you weren't impressed with the prior Yumi at 6 album, I can totally understand that. And it's a conversation that I want to have with you guys, you know, a little bit later on, soon enough. But I, what I will say is that my dopamine being a single, this could have gone a lot of different ways, you know? It could have been perceived as being, like, a bit of a departure from the, like, general energized songs that the band had been putting out up to that point, or it could have been taken as, you know, Yumi at 6 will never move away from these like slow almost ballad like anthems and i think in the case of a song like my dopamine they showed why they will always have the steady hand when it comes to putting together songs like this my dopamine is just fucking beautiful and adorable like it is one of those songs that i listen to it and i i can't help but smile like even if it's not a song that I can directly put myself in the position of from a narrative standpoint I know people who I can you know relate this song to and I am so fucking thrilled and happy for those people who you know they have happiness and my dopamine is just that it is a song that celebrates happiness and it's just so hard for me to hear the song and not feel like moved by it i am smiling whenever i hear my dopamine and i i'm smiling right now even just thinking about the song like just talking about it brings me joy and my dopamine will always have that effect on me number 46 is scissors by holding absence I actually didn't realize I was going to mention Holding Absence twice in the episode. I didn't know that I structured the list that way. But it's fine, because if there's any band who should be mentioned twice in an episode, it's fucking Holding Absence. Because when it came to their delivery and their output for the Noble Art of Self-Destruction, it was just quality single after quality single. And one of the singles, Scissors, it just it hit every fiber in my being it resonated with me it shook me to my core and it's a song that 
just like like it has that heightened aggression and intensity that holding absence managed to find a balance in every now and then on their records and it works so fucking well whenever they can you know strike that gold and did they ever strike gold on scissors scissors just like it fucking wastes no time like you play this song well firstly the transition from false dawn into scissors is just top notch top quality and then from there scissors escalates into this very like i'm trying to figure out the way to phrase it it's a song that you want to sing aloud to but once you realize like what it is you're actually saying lyrically you take a step back and you're like this song it should not be as catchy and colorful as it is but it just it, it works that way and there's no other method that scissors could have followed the closing stretch of it when the song just like kind of starts to disintegrate and it goes into what kind of resembles a breakdown it is the ultimate ending stretch it is a portion of the song that really helped allow it to you know become one of the best songs on the no more self-destruction in my opinion and just all in all this beautiful beast of a song number 45 is meet and greet by Ice Nine Kills. Hello, Clarice. Nothing's free at this meet and greet. Quit pro quo as we go. Spare me any just... A trade desperate for some information. Get poor white trash by one generation. This was a new song featured on the deluxe edition of Welcome to Harwood. And... I, I I was really eager to get to hear the song because I did remember watching an interview with Spencer a few years back and he was asked like what horror film was left for him to dive into and what did he want to bring into the Ice Nine Kills canonical universe and he said The Silence of the Lambs so I, I feel like everybody knew that song was coming eventually and then to get it through meet and greet and for it to be as good as just about any other song on welcome to harwood it felt really remarkable like it was a moment in time and especially to get it on friday the 13th like the synchronicity there was just unmatched and i think meet and greet it does an excellent job at being homage to the sounds of lambs and all of the different references made within the lyrics and the song structure itself it, it just it mirrors the film so perfectly it's chilling and impactful and it's everything that i can ask for an ice nine kills song to achieve and meet and greet in and of itself is just one fucking hell of an achievement for this band number 44 is cern by wither away podcast favorite wither away for that matter because i remember two years ago they had the album i won't find hope in you and there were just so many key moments on that album that really helped shape my 
my memories from that year and kind of like the bookmarks in uh, the songs per se and like the time period, all that sort of shit. And they dropped CERN back in April of this year. And I'm not going to get like overtly personal just yet in this series, but CERN dropped at a time where I really needed a song like this, a song that is just so unrelenting in its emotional nature. And it still manages to be this very powerful metalcore song while being something like, you know, metaphorically like a shoulder to cry on for myself. Like CERN was there for me in the dark. It was the light of my listening habits at that time. And I went back to it so much. And I still, to this day, I turned to CERN in certain moments. And the way that it was able to come for me back then in April, it can still do the same thing now in December. And to be able to have a song like that, you know, just at my disposal, that's, that's beautiful. And I never want to overlook the ability that music and right now specifically a song like CERN can have. It's just it's really catchy like like let's move aside the emotional uh weight of this song for a second it's just a good fucking track it never once really has to raise its uh, aggression and amplification the way that wither away have in the past it manages to be as effective in its soft moments as it does in a moment like on the chorus where everything kind of becomes a little bit brighter and everything shines a little bit more. You know what I mean? CERN is just this magnificent song and I really do believe that my year was made more bearable because of it. And another detail about this track that really spoke to my soul and it meant the world to me, and this might just be like an assumption, but it's one that I'm making based off of what I saw in the video for CERN. So on the band's prior album, uh, I Won't Find Hope In You, there were plenty of references to different anime, whether it be in the lyrics or the song titles. With CERN, there are a lot of references made to Steinsgate. And this is the part of the show that I've been waiting for for fucking almost three years now to talk about Steinsgate. You guys know the intro that I do where it has like the robot voice saying ulterior and then there's like some static sounds. That static sound is ripped from the intro to Steinsgate. Steinsgate is one of the most important things that has ever come into my life. I owe so much to that show and for Wither Away to take Steinsgate and kind of craft something of their own artistically out of it you can't beat that in my eyes and for what Steinsgate has meant to me there's nothing nothing better than that there really isn't number 43 is Murphy's Law by Honey Revenge If this at all makes any sense, I feel like if there was a conversation about 
where a band was in my standings this time last year in comparison to this time right here right now. Honey Revenge has taken some of the biggest leaps and bounds forward out of any band this year and Murphy's Law is 100% one of the biggest reasonings for that. And I feel like Murphy's Law is a song that I don't really know like how to box it, like a way to categorize it. It feels kind of antithetical to the idea of pop punk and pop rock, but it also feels like so complementary to the like the style of Honey Revenge and just that very like downbeat sad nature that they can have to themselves sometimes and Murphy's Law is very unapologetic about what it achieves in that regard. The song is slow while still being filled with so much energy. It's a very strange song but it never once lost me. It never fails to grab my attention. It's just a track where I feel like both nodding my head and being angry at something around me. Like, like again, it's a weird song, but Murphy's Law is one of the best of the year. Number 42 is Venom by Nothing Nowhere featuring Under Oath. This was the perfect collaboration to make Venom stand out as brightly and brilliantly as it does as part of Void Eternal. And there was no way for this song to not work out like this because it's fucking Nothing Nowhere with Aaron Gillespie and Spencer Chamberlain. Like, Combining these minds, yeah, you're gonna get a song like Venom because there's nothing else you can get when it comes to mixing these ideas. And I feel like this song just summarizes the mission statement of Void Eternal to a fucking T. And you have these moments of sort of like a dueling nature to mix Nothing Nowhere's vocals with Spencer's screams while Aaron is doing his magic in the background. It stands out because it feels like it's as much of an Under Oath song as it is a Void Eternal song, and specifically an Under Oath song from, you know, what myself and some others might consider to be the golden era of that band. This song just oozes screamo magnificence if that's any kind of a phrasing that i can use to describe anything venom just has that cadence to it and it's one of the best songs of the year one of the best collaborations i've heard in recent years it's it's perfect venom is a masterpiece number 41 is goddess by paris Paris 
Harris had two and a half minutes to get their point across and make one of the biggest, like, girl boss anthems that you could imagine, and they fucking did so with Goddess. Goddess has no right to be as catchy as it is, and to just work as well as it does while being kind of a deviation from what I would consider to be, like, a quote-unquote traditional Paris song, because when it comes to Goddess, it feels so, like, charismatic and confident, like, the ability that Lin Gunn has on this song to just be, like, kind of brash, but it's brash in a way where it's not off-putting, if anything, it makes the song even more alluring, and it's the kind of song that is meant to, you know, be, like, vibed with and danced to. I got to hear it live uh, recently uh, as part of the co-headliner Paris did with Poppy, and this was actually the closer for Paris's set, and it was so, like, it felt right at home in that spot. It felt like the biggest spotlight in the world was shining down onto Goddess at that moment, and it made this song that much more meaningful to me, that much more spiritual, and I really hope that Goddess is able to take off and it's able to stick as part of Paris's set, because this song might have been, like, the most fun that I had during their set. Goddess is truly, in my opinion, one of the best Paris songs of all time. And that's it for this part that was every song for this episode ranging from 60 to 41 so we crossed the halfway mark and now for episode 4 which has songs 40 to 21 we're getting into the territory where i really started to think about like what were the like the true top echelon of songs i listened to this year what really existed in that top 1%. So this next episode, you're going to be hearing me kind of say like, you know, this song at one point, you know, it could have been in contention for top 20. Maybe it was at one point and I moved it down. But above all else, it's going to be a lot of high praise. It's going to be a lot of me talking about why those songs deserve to be number 10 or 5 or 1 on on anybody's list. And uh, yeah, you know, that's kind of how the process works. As we get closer to the final part, these songs start to mean a little bit more to me. They start to hit a little bit more. And I really hope that sentiment on my end translates to the audio and my explanations behind all of this. Thank you so much. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. And as always... For the love of the game, let's make a scene.